Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting the outstanding Simos Kedikoglu. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Impulse Dynamics. He became the CEO in 2013 and working with the board and management team. He's responsible for defining and executing their corporate strategy. During his tenure, the company has obtained approvals and launched the optimizer device globally with sales and clinical work in the US, Europe, China, Japan, Australia, Brazil, and India. Simos was previously a corporate vice president of business development for Boston Scientific with responsibility for acquisitions, licensing, and distribution deals in the US and really globally. Simos was an associate partner with McKinsey & Company as well prior to that in the U.S., advising clients in healthcare mergers and acquisitions. He holds his medical degree from the University of Athens, Greece, and his MBA with distinction from Harvard Business School and a Master of Public Health from Harvard as well. And on top of that, also a CFA Carter holder. So uh, just a, an impressive leader in healthcare. And today he's going to be talking to us about the work that he and his team are doing at Impulse Dynamics. Uh, Simos, such a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much, Sol. It's great to be here. Thank you. And so, you know, you are uh, calling in from the UK and I love that, you know, the work you guys are doing from there is translatable, you know, with the NIH and there's a lot of learning that we could do in the U.S. health system and overall, just uh, in general, across the globe. But, you know, before we dive into the work that you're doing at Impulse Dynamics, tell us a little bit about you and what inspires your work in healthcare. Healthcare is a great field to work in because you can uh, do well uh, for our employees, for our shareholders, for the people of the Impulse team by doing good for the patients getting the best thing for the patients, helping them is what inspires us every day. Uh, we have quite a lot uh, of um, cases on our website where patients themselves are talking or we interview them or they spontaneously talk to us about how we have been able to change their lives. And this is very motivating. There is, uh, everybody wants to have professional fulfillment, but uh, seeing this uh, patient uh, being able to now play with their grandchildren, go uh, shopping with their partner when they previously couldn't, is something we find very motivating. Yeah, for sure. And it's just a, an amazing time to be able to do what we do in healthcare. And so talk to us about your company and how exactly you guys are adding value to the healthcare ecosystem. Yes, Impulse Dynamics uh, has uh, developed a CCM technology, uh, which is for uh, patients in heart, uh, with heart failure. We are interventional heart failure. We have an implantable device. It's for those patients that have exhausted pharmaceutical treatment, but are not yet sick enough to qualify for a heart transplant or a full replacement of the pump of the, through a ventricular assist device. 
This is a lot of patients. It's uh, six to seven million patients globally, uh, roughly one, one and a half in the United States. And this, uh, the heart failure epidemic is growing fast. The American Heart estimates that it's growing uh, three to four percent per year. The number of patients grows three to four percent per year. These are very vulnerable patients. They can walk at most one flight of stairs. They can walk a thousand feet and then they stop. They have shortness of breath. They retreat from activities of daily life. They cannot go to the church or the synagogue. They cannot go shopping. They cannot spend time with their family. What we do is to try to help them to live their lives better. We have developed through extensive clinical trials and engineering development a device that makes them be able to enjoy life again. And uh, we have a motto that uh, hope is here. And I think this is how we think we are adding value to them. Now, we have also shown on many occasions that we also reduce the, okay, the frequency of their visits to the hospital. These patients get hospitalized very much. And so we save on resources. We have a recharge of technology that allows them to go for long without needing replacement. So we do take into account the economics and we actually create value to the system. But we also create value to the patients themselves by being able to enjoy their lives. Yeah, that's fantastic. And Simos, so the, so the work you guys are doing, obviously you guys have brought the technology to the US really globally. You're based in Europe, but it sounds like you're making a big difference here. What would you say makes CCM therapy just different or unique in what it's able to provide to, to patients? So the, the company is based out of the United States and the technology, the brains oh, okay. of it, the development has been done in the United States, in New Jersey. What is unique is that we are helping people through a completely different way. Before uh, people are getting pharmaceutical treatment, obviously everybody will exhaust pharmaceutical treatment before they consider any device. Mm -hmm. But instead of uh, moving to the very invasive heart transplants or ventricular assist device, things that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's extremely invasive for the patient, we have stimulators. So it's a very unique concept. Uh, we have we are the developers of it, and it has taken more than 20 years of research and more than 100 publications that basically trains the myocardium. It, think of it like when you go to the treadmill and you um, start getting exercise over time, over a three-month window, you start feeling better. It's a very similar concept with our device. It's a very simple uh, implant. It's now the fifth generation of the implant. It's a very simple implant, 40, 45 minutes. Uh, patients typically go back uh, the same day at home and they don't even need anesthesia for the implantation, just light sedation. And they start feeling better. They see the effect building up. And uh, this is what I consider unique is not only that it's a completely different concept. We're not replacing the pump. We're just training the pump. We're supporting the pump and training it to make it able to deliver the blood that the body needs, but also that it's a fairly simple process. You know, just a 45-minute implant, the patient typically has to charge because we usually charge our battery, has mm -hmm. to charge once a week for 40, 45 minutes. And we have shown that more than 99.5% of our patients charge regularly because they see improvement. So, I would consider the uniqueness here is the concept itself, which is a stimulation, but from the patient's standpoint, is a relatively big help for a relatively low, for a not very invasive procedure and not requiring a lot from this patient other than a weekly charge. Very good. Very good. And is it charged externally or how, how is it done? Yeah, it is charged completely externally, uh, just like, you know, your uh, toothbrush, uh, inductive mm -hmm. charging. And oh, okay, uh, yeah. in new generations of the device, which I'm happy to talk, we are actually improving what we get out of the device. So 
not only the patient is charging, but also the device is being checked every week. So we get out of the typical go to the hospital every three months and check your device, which is just a burden to the patient. We have tried to think it through from the beginning in a way that is convenient to the patient and efficient for the healthcare system. Very good. Very good. And so as you as you think about some of the outcomes that you know, have resulted from this, you know, what can, what can people expect as far as improved, you know, Mm -hmm. conditions? Tell us a little bit more about that. Typically our patients uh, get hope back. Uh, What Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, is really consists of is they get at least uh, 20 up to 50% improvement in their ability to exercise, in their ability to walk. Uh, Our patients typically when they start, they can walk only around 1,000 feet. They see an improvement that uh, we've shown in in studies uh, in six and 12 months, but we have shown also in real-life registers continuous for longer, three to four years. They are able to spend activities of their daily life, to do a lot more of their daily life, and therefore they report a much higher satisfaction. There is this emphasis on uh, many treatments on uh, what's called PROs, the patient-reported outcomes, and they are very specialized ones in heart failure, like the Minnesota and the Kansas City questionnaires. And we've shown tremendous improvements on those, improvements that really go way beyond what you get with a pharmaceutical. Again, all of our patients have exhaust pharmaceutical treatment. We're not competing with the pharmaceuticals, but they are very surprised to see how much their daily life improves. We have patients that uh, have been able to resume activities, resume uh, if they were working and if they wanted to work resume uh, professional life or just spending a lot uh, better uh, um, their lives in retirement. For example, activities like fishing or even mountain climbing that were completely off limits before. That's the biggest help and the biggest encouragement is exactly that the patients themselves see how much better they feel. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, we consider the type of outcomes delivered is it improving the quality of your life? Are you able to to have a better health span? And I think these are the these are the things that you know you, you get a patient that wants to go to the grocery store and not be exhausted, and or even it sounds like uh, with the help of this device, do even more than that and be active. And obviously with the consultation of of their physician, but it, it sounds like it, it's really opening up some some great opportunities that don't require drugs. And you said it's not competitive with the drug, but, you know, I would say, you know, we look at drugs as, as, as a very, one of the most expensive things that we incur in the health system. You know, I think of a device, you pay for it and that's it, right? I mean, so can you talk to us about the economics there? Of course. First of all, our device is fully covered by Medicare. It is actually, Medicare is actually providing add-on payments, uh, both uh, in the outpatient setting where most hospitalizations, where most implantations are taking place, as well as in the rare cases where someone is hospitalized, the device for symptoms, and they get their device during these hospitalizations, the device is fully paid from Medicare. Most of our patients are on Medicare. We do have younger patients. However, more than 80% are actually uh, covered by their at the Medicare age, and the device is fully covered there. But from the healthcare system, there's two important points to make. We have shown in many of our European results that we reduce, we keep the patients out of the hospital. And it's well known that the one hospitalization is not only expensive for the system, it's also very detrimental for the patient. Typically, 
hospitalizations for these patients are a trigger for a vicious circle where the patient feels weaker, retreats further from life, goes back to the hospital. 30 to 50% of the patients end up getting re-hospitalized. So keeping them out of the hospital is something that we have shown in our European data and we are are hoping to bring this claim also in the United States. In addition, we have done that as a rechargeable device, which spares the patient the need, as in other devices, to change every five years or seven years because the battery depletes. Our device will go for 15, 20 years. Practically, patients will not need to change it. And so not only do we spare the patients the angst of going under the knife, getting under the knife for just a simple pocket you know, generator change, but also we spare the cost to the healthcare system because each one of them is quite expensive for Medicare. So the economics are quite favorable. Again, we do not uh, aim to replace pharmaceuticals. Uh, most of these pharmaceuticals are kept as an underlying treatment, but mm-hmm. we do make the patients feel better. And I think this is what the patients really value. Yeah, no, that's a good call out. Appreciate you, you diving into that a little bit more, Simos. And And so, you know, I guess you think about it from a provider perspective and you also think about it from a a patient perspective. How do people find out about this, you know, and how do physicians find out about it? Is it commonplace to do this type of thing? Maybe just some, some of the basics there would help our listeners understand how to access this technology. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Thank you for the question. This is very important. We have launched the device in the United States last year. Uh, Frankly, in the middle of COVID, it has not been that easy. We have generated quite a lot of interest, both uh, via marketing efforts to the providers, but also through direct-to-patient. We have some pilot direct-to-patient to make the patients themselves aware. Uh, patients can also go on our website uh, at impulsedynamics.com and find uh, providers near them. We are signing up more and more providers. We have uh, now nearly in every state providers and that can offer this device. It's a very simple implant. Uh, we don't, the, we don't, it doesn't require training, a lot of training for the provider. It's implanted like a simple pacemaker. So that makes it very easy for us to add providers on it. And of course, as I said, for anybody who is uh, on Medicare, this is a device that Medicare covers. The, we are ex- planning on expanding our outreach, especially as we hope the epidemic will subside somewhat in the summer timeline. We are planning a lot more outreach efforts to both providers and patients, and we hope that we will be able to uh, have this outreach reach more and more of the patients in heart failure. We are working with patient associations, we are working with heart failure doctors, and we expect to try to reach this message to more and more of the patients in need, and there are quite a few of them. That's fantastic. Thank you, Simos. So folks, uh, different ways to engage and learn, but certainly impulse-dynamics.com. Simos, you've been uh, leading the company. It's been about eight years now. And so as you reflect on the previous eight years, what, what would you say is one of the bigger setbacks you've experienced and a key learning from that that's made you guys better? Yes, uh, this is a great question. And in, indeed, setbacks always exist in life. The company had the first uh, run with the FDA and uh, it was not successful. It was not successful because of uh, given being given, the company was given a uh, This trial design that was unworkable, that has never been used since. But uh, it was clearly a big disappointment when uh, in our first trial we saw improvement, but we were not showing the one uh, particular endpoint the FDA wanted. And they've since retracted and understood it was the wrong endpoint, but it was very disappointing for the company. I joined the company right when it had to effectively restart. And 
You see that in many of the technologies, developing a technology, our technology has a breakthrough indication. It's really for something that is a big uh, need. But uh, when you try to develop something for these large populations, there's always uh, things you don't know, uh, setbacks. In our case, it was that we had to do an additional study. And it's easy to say perseverance. Yes, that's what it is. But it's not just your own personal perseverance. It's motivating employees, motivating physicians that participate in the trial, motivating investors to support the company. So the biggest learning I have through this, which we had to do back in the 2013-14 timeline, is that you need to be very clear in your communications on what went wrong and what you are doing to fix it. It's easy to talk about perseverance. It's something that's required, but clear communication is also required. And we have found that people, including patients, including physicians, including investors and employees, respond well when they are given a message of clarity, not a message of obfuscation or not a message of just hope without specifics, but hope with specifics. Uh, we had quite a lot of the patients that have done extremely well on the device. We knew the device works. We knew the device. It was just a question of designing a trial that would show exactly what the FDA and the patient wanted, which we, we undertook. So my lessons out of this is you need hope, but you also need clear and specific communication. And that's a big part of leadership, motivating the people, showing them a clear path forward. And then those persons around you, be it patients, customers, employees, investors, actually respond very well. Well said, Simos. Well said. Yeah, that clarity and communication is huge. And just being able to navigate, you know, the difficulties, it's more than just perseverance. It's it's being clear and, and showing the way. And you certainly have, you guys made it through the obstacles. You got your FDA approval. You're in the market. You launched during COVID, which obviously didn't make things easy. But I think the muscle that you and the team have built through through the challenge is going to be critical for the success that you guys will have. And so on that note, what are you most excited about today, Simos? I am very excited about the new things. As you rightly said, this epidemic has clearly redefined how we approach healthcare. We have, for quite a while, we have looked and said, what is next? And for us, what was next was twofold. One was to try to combine uh, more devices into one. So a lot of our patients have a separate device, an ICD, an implantable cardioverted defibrillator, which just, it's an insurance that sits there and delivers a shock. And uh, what many of our patients have to carry two devices, and back in the day when maybe your younger listeners will not know that, but we used to carry a cell phone and a camera. Now everybody carries just a cell phone that has a camera. Similarly, we have developed some an integrated device that would allow them to actually spare three implants, not just our implant and ICD, but also replacements because it's a rechargeable. This is something that is really exciting because it saves a lot of money in the system. It saves a lot of angst and uh, and uh, anxiety from the, on the patients because they don't have to go for multiple times to get devices. They only get one and done. Uh, this device has taken a long time to develop, but it will be with us in the patients in clinical setting this summer. The separate thing that we have been developing both for our current device and the combined one is a lot more patient engagement. The concept is once you get a device, once you go and get uh, an implantation, you should get as much as possible out of it. So we have we are engaged, we have incorporated a lot of uh, add-on diagnostics that actually including diagnostics from the device, including a patient app that includes that increases patient engagement. We expect to launch all of this in the United States later this year. 
Because at the end of the day, the person who knows best about the health is the patient himself or herself. And we are trying to increase their engagement. We're trying to provide a lot more data about their activity, about other metabolic parameters. But most importantly, we are trying to make it in a simple way that explains to the patient whether they're improving or not, and so that they can also see what changes they can do with their lives and be more engaged. So to summarize, what excites me is that now that we have got the main technology approved, all of the follow-on innovation, and some of it includes just better integrated devices, and some of it includes tools and diagnostics that together with patient engagement should lead to a much more to a much better life for the patient and a lot better communication with their physicians. Yeah, that is exciting, Simos. And uh, just the the integration of of both the ICD and and your device. I mean, you get the kind of when needed shocks, and then and then the in between to stay with it on the day to day. That's uh, that's very promising, and it sounds and feels like you guys are are definitely moving forward with a strong appetite to innovate and to not just stop at at this kind of, you know, breakthrough indication. You're doing way more than that and and that certainly is exciting. So I appreciate you you sharing that message. You know, before we conclude, Simos, I'd love to just have you here one one give us one final thought. You know, what we should, what should we be thinking about as it relates to heart failure and in health. And then the best place where the listeners could connect with you and your team to, to learn more about what you guys offer. Thank you, Sol. One uh, closing thought is for the patient is that there is hope. Um, it could be us. It could be other innovation. There is a lot of innovation. And engage, the patients themselves or their caregivers can be engaged, can look. They should not be disappointed or resigned into this is a condition that we can no longer do anything about. There is a lot of innovation. We think we are at the forefront of it, but they should try uh, online. They should contact their physician or uh, other patient associations or perhaps other physicians with specialty in heart failure to try to find help. For the innovators, because this is another constituency, I want to say that uh, it is such a great field to be able to do work. It pays off. We all remember the dark days when we had to restart and redo and but it really pays off innovation in these fields. It could be heart failure, it could be diabetes. I'm not trying to compare needs, but it's such an exciting field to innovate, do work, and eventually it pays off. It is not the financial payment, it is the payment to see children of patients telling you, I got my father, my mother back, I got my partner back. This is really a field where there is nothing that compares to the satisfaction you get. As far as uh, where a pace, where anybody can find us, our website is impulsedynamics.com with or without hyphen. And you can contact us there. You can also see a lot of uh, stories, true stories from patients and how uh, our device has helped them improve. I do want to finish with the one message that hope is here and it's up to the patients and their caregivers to do some outreach in order to be able to find the hope they need and deserve. Well, this is awesome, Simos. And I, you know, you mentioned it's about the the return is not about the financial return, although, you know, running a company, it, it is. But the motivating factor, the North Star is, are we making patient outcomes better? Are we improving quality of life? And there's a big, two big yeses to that and the work that you and your, your team are up to. 
I admire the work that you do, Simos, and, and really the work of medtech innovators, right? You, you mentioned that. I mean, it's just, it's a long road, but at the end of that road is, is huge promise for humankind. And, um, and so grateful that you joined us today and, and shared the vision and the work that you guys are doing there. And I'm certainly excited to see you guys succeed. Simos, really, really thankful you made time for this podcast today. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. No podcast, no problem. Launch a professional podcast you'll love in four weeks. Most people hire production companies to edit and distribute content that sounds bad and does nothing for their revenue or their network. But you could turn the key to a made-to-order podcast and skip all the pitfalls that make 90% of shows discontinue after five episodes. We've got the expertise, the elbow grease, and you're back on this one. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.